0: Welcome to the Limerick Voice podcast, brought to you by the Limerick Voice and presented by me, Caitlin Reddy. Each year in Ireland, October brings around Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Breast cancer is the most common form of cancer for women in Ireland, with it affecting 1 in 10 women. Today I am joined with Helen Forrestal, Director of Nursing at the Marie Keating Foundation, to talk about the foundation that is providing support for cancer patients and their families across Ireland. So Helen, first would you mind telling me a bit about yourself? I know you're a Director of Nursing in the Marie Keating Foundation. Tell me a bit about that role and tell me about what exactly the foundation is.
1: Yeah, my name is Helen Forrest, and I'm Director of Nursing Services at the Marie Keating Foundation and I've been there since 2014. So that means kind of directing all the health service that we provide through our nursing team around the country. So we're in all Ireland service. Um, our nurses are oncology nurses um, and health promotion nurses. So um, and we also with that have mobile units, you know, where we're visible around the country. And I suppose like very important, I think at this moment in time is actually being able to be in remote areas, you know, where where there's opportunistic. Um, uh, places that people can turn up if they have worries or problems um, and maybe don't go to the doctor so yeah that that's it's like a unit I saw a picture of it online it's a mobile unit and yeah. I myself if I had any concerns I could pop into you could I yeah so there's always a nurse on board and um, qualified nurse so if you know and this is how it happens and it, it's what I really like about the service um, that you you might be worrying about something, um, and often we're, we're working with marginalised communities as well, where people might not have that 65 euro to go see their GP, and um, because they don't know if it is something or not, it's a great opportunity to come on board and talk about you know the signs or symptoms that they might be having or something that they've seen on their body that's different, and actually we can give them um, you know good direction then, um, and it may be that they have to go to the GP, but they're more certain about you know where they're going and why they're going. I know
0: myself, even from knowing people who have had cancer, there's that kind of bit of nerves beforehand. You're like putting it off, going to the doctor. I think something like that could probably take away the formality, make it a
1: bit more casual. Yeah, it's a friendly service. Um, And I suppose our, our, our philosophy is to make cancer less frightening by enlightening. So even if it isn't cancer and like often people worry that, oh, this is something sinister. I don't want to know about it. Particularly men sometimes, they might bury their heads in the sand for a while, but our service can actually change that. And it can encourage people to think, okay, there is something wrong here. I've talked about it now and now I know what I need to do. And I think that's really important. Yeah. You know, we, we also, um, I suppose we, we talk about early detection, saving lives or actually improving outcomes uh, for people with cancer. And that is so true in this environment and the, you know, the place we're living at the moment. If you delay seeing um, somebody for help, um, that delay could cause you, um, you know, um, in terms of uh, treatments available or even staging or grading of a cancer can change over time, you know, so Yes. Early detection is a really important message for I you. I was
0: on your website, obviously, October is breast cancer awareness month. Yeah. Um, and I saw the statistic one in ten women will be affected by breast cancer, which kind of scared me for a second. What would be the reason that you should be concerned? I, I
1: think I think there's a very clear message here. First and foremost, um, it shouldn't be about what you know what you feel now. It's actually about know your body. Um, know your breasts. So we're talking about breast cancer awareness. Um, know your breasts, know your nipples, um, know shape and size, and actually feel them. Okay, really important, know your body, feel your breasts, and really important, know what's normal for you. Mm-hmm. Um, most women will have one breast slightly larger than the other. Now that could be quite shocking if you didn't, if you weren't aware of that, but I think most of us are. Um, but actually even knowing that gives you, you know, the power and the knowledge to say, okay, well, this is normal for me. But if you notice something different, like a nipple you know, um, changing in direction, that's not normal. No. So I think the most important thing is, know your body first, um, know all your lumps and bumps, you know, scars and whatever you have on your body, know it, um, and know it inside out. Um, and know how your breasts feel, most women will know that their breasts feel very different at different stages during the menstrual cycle. So so you know that um, most women's breasts will be quite lumpy, you know, during their cycle and actually can be quite painful. But moving away from that and what's normal, what isn't normal for you is where where, where there is a difference. So before even recognizing, I suppose, that something is wrong, Um, we actually encourage women to check their breasts and men as well. We're getting to that. Like men do get breast cancer too. 28 cases diagnosed in Ireland, you know, per year. But men don't often know that either, you know. So, and they're treated the very same with the same kind of treatments. So know your breasts, check your breasts. So it's all about looking and feeling um, and doing that. Or once a month, is that it? Yeah. Now, yeah, once a month for every woman, every man um it should be a week a week or 10 days after you've had your menstrual cycle you've completed your menstrual cycle yeah. and then what someone might say to me well I, i'm in menopause so i don't know so you pick a day of the month and i would say pick your birthday your birthday and every month my birthday is today actually which is the 20th of october birthday, so yeah. every month thank you on the 20th of october or 20th of the month i know to check my breasts you know now I do it more often probably because of the work you know I'm in and my whole awareness I mean almost every time I'm in a shower you you are like checking and feeling and having a look Um, and I think that's a really good practice it could be unrealistic to say that to somebody but we all have phones these days and we can put a little little alarm in for ourselves to check the best yeah
0: and obviously
1: now everyone
0: kind of associates Breast Cancer Awareness Month with the color pink. But your campaign is actually, you're saying breast cancer awareness is a kaleidoscope of colors and a
1: kaleidoscope of emotion. So tell me a bit about this campaign. I I absolutely love this campaign. And I think we've we've got some like extremely positive feedback from it. Um, And the whole idea around it was based on feedback from a campaign we did last year for Breast Cancer Awareness Month, which was glam up your bra. And what we found in that campaign was that there was a lot of pink and there was a lot of fluffy, and some women came back to us and we were very, you know, very grateful for the feedback to say that like my cancer wasn't that way. We decided then that breast cancer isn't just pink Um, and pink is very, it's globally understood. And I think it's fantastic that we have pink um, that, that signifies and symbolizes breast cancer around the world globally, but you know, um, when we talk to women and we work a lot with women in survivorship and in and in, in positive living where they have metastatic breast cancer, we are looking at their whole, you know, their cancer life and, and what the colour means to them. So color is very different for different people, and the meaning behind it is quite um, a depth of how they're feeling, their emotions, and how it has affected them in their lives and the people you know around them. So for example, um, some of the videos that have been out, you might have seen um, Mary's video, "Mary has metastatic breast cancer, and she talks about the sea blue. Yeah. Um, and it has a dual uh, meaning for her. One is to be as free as the sea itself, and the other is where she's drowning. And I think they're very personal, they're very personal stories. Um, and they're very deep for that person and I know Mary so I know you know I know how she feels and why she explains um her color that way and um, there's another video with Lorraine and she 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 um I suppose picked the color red and red for her was danger it was fear it was uncertainty and it was also the reminder that she had to take the pill every day and that reminder was that she had breast cancer so you know uh, you can understand can't you and like color is really important in everybody's life isn't it yeah.
0: and i suppose yeah. everyone's coming up with this whole pink and fluffy and bright and you might not always feel that yeah
1: and this is really like, that exactly and so those women will have had pink moments which i think is important to embrace as well you know the fact that like mary would say in her video that she she's still alive and her, her little girl comes home from school and sits on, on her bed and tells her how her day has been. That fills her with hope. That's maybe a pink moment, you know. Um, but I think um, outside of all of that, it's, it's actually the depth of the stories that, that are really, really the honesty and the reality behind them is what we're really hearing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's important for women in Ireland whether they have localized breast cancer or whether they have a breast cancer that's spread to other parts of the body. I saw a lot online about
0: how COVID-19 is affecting, it's stopping people from
1: getting diagnosed, from getting their treatment. Are you seeing a lot of this at the moment? See, maybe hearing it more on our Ask the Nurse service than, than seeing it. But yes, of course, um, like COVID-19 has had a devastating effect on, on health overall, on mental health. Um, if you understand the women, you know, the women we're actually looking after with breast cancer and with metastatic breast cancer, they're a very vulnerable um, group of women. And they're like, people in general having cancer treatment at the moment are a ver- very vulnerable group in the community. They are cocooning, they're isolating as much as they can. Um, but I suppose my message would be that, you know, you continue to do that and stay as safe as you possibly can. Um, if you're in treatment, Hospitals are actually one of the best places to be. You know, they're very safe. Um, the regu- you know, the, the any all the guidelines are in place. And most of the women, even that I, you know, we have a group called Positive Living. We meet on Zoom every couple of weeks. They would tell me that they feel safe, and that's important. It's important for the public to hear that. It's important for anybody who, you know, in COVID is actually finding something in their body that's changed or feeling a lump somewhere that is different, to not ignore it. Please don't ignore it. Make a call to your GP if you don't want to actually call into your GP. Make that telephone call, talk to your GP um, and allow your GP then to guide you um, into the next steps. Um, And that could be, you know, the GP himself or herself of course will be following national guidelines. And they will be referring you appropriately, having had a clinical examination, which I think is really important as well. You know, clinical examinations are the most important thing any medical person could do for you in order to give some indication as to what is wrong or not, as the case may be. Of course.
0: Now, I saw, which I think is absolutely amazing, you do something called a comfort fund, uh, where you provide financial aid. And was it in 2018 you assisted... 580 families or over 580 families yeah that is yeah, that's amazing uh, like I said cancer is something that has affected my family quite a lot and I think having a foundation like the Marie Keating Foundation is like nearly a friend you know providing these services yeah. so comforting um and is it donations that you mainly go off of
1: um, yeah, well, well, we're not government funded, so the money we raise, in fact, for our comfort fund comes from fundraising activities, events and donations. Um, it has been a really important resource for us. Unfortunately, we did have to stop it at the beginning, you know, back in March. I remember my colleague and I made some very difficult calls to medical social workers to say that we had to stop the funds because we we didn't know our own destiny at the time, you know, so... Um, thankfully now we're, we are in a position where we're going to resume um, this comfort fund, albeit we're, we're actually setting it up an online service. So an online service and the process is taking a little bit more time than we thought. But you know, it, it should be up and running hopefully by mid-November. Um, and it really is healthcare professionals that we call to in order to, to make you know, the applications for the patient themselves. Um, and to provide that comfort where you, you know yourself Caitlin you said there's a lot of distress and that distress and um, if, if even if it's financial you know can cause an awful lot of emotional distress um, and you know and, and I suppose you will really want to provide people with with a little bit of hope and a little and and, and give that gift if you like and um, the gift of help even within
0: your family of course you have your amazing support there but everyone's so stressed and you know upset that I definitely think my advice to any families anyway experiencing it would to reach out to a foundation like the Marie Keating Foundation or something like that Mm -hmm. and just get that extra support because it could be quite lonely at
1: times. Yeah for sure I mean and like no one can talk to somebody the way they can with somebody who's been through the same experience, you know. So that's not a health professional either. It's not one of us, but we tend to actually, you know, we have groups where we do survive and thrive um six-week programs. And we, you know what you see within those groups um, and those meetings is that people come together and share their own experiences. They share their worries, their woes, but they also like talk and enjoy the happy times that they've had. And there's nothing more empowering than to see that happening, but also what you, what you tend to see over a six week period is, is a real transformation for people who have and are living with cancer um, into, a, into their new world. Um, with bringing along with them though, people who, are, who have been on that same journey with them, you know really important, I think, and we do that. So um, keep an eye on our website, wikiating.ie for survive and thrive programs. You'll see them on the events page coming up next year And we're running two this year and uh, with the survive and thrive is
0: that groups in your local area is that an online group how does that work
1: well it used to be you know we used to do it kind of geographically because we used to actually meet up face to face but we've done our first we're actually running our current one online on zoom at the moment and that can be from anywhere so that's the advantage i think so people even though um you know that we have a lady from Donegal, for instance. We would never have had that before because it's too far to travel. Um, we could have somebody from the UK if they wanted to tune in yeah. um, who you know who are, who are of Irish background. So yeah, yeah. so not geographical at the moment.
0: Yeah, and I suppose that's a great reminder to people that although COVID is happening and it is very isolating, we're connecting in different ways online and these services are there and people shouldn't yeah. be, really
1: yeah i absolutely like i think to reach out um and even like i suppose with the groups we run there is an acknowledgement and an understanding that you know we're not all used to zoom and online but there probably is some one person in your family that could help you and um, to get better. the platform yeah? yeah and and actually you know to embrace it in a way i mean i'm i'm bowled over sometimes by how how i see people managing you know yeah <laughs> and um it is lovely. It's lovely. It's not the same, and um, it never will be the same. But it's what we have and what we work with at the moment. Work with exactly. Another yeah. question
0: about women and men checking themselves: around what age, or is it every age, that you should be checking yourself in this monthly
1: routine? Yeah, because like, well, we you know we went to schools and we we actually. we start teaching you know transition year girls about looking and checking and yeah you you know because they are embracing their bodies at that time yeah um so so for that reason yeah like you start talking about it at an early age and then you know you get start getting used to your body and, and the menstruation cycle and acknowledging the changes that are happening over time so checking from an early age is is absolutely fine i suppose like years you know move on and and you know when you're a young teenager and you're going into years 15 16 17 that's when you start learning how to check properly so we have a lovely video on our website on how to check your breasts um so checking and looking so looking you know standing in front of a mirror um and so you're looking at your body bringing your arms up you know above your head um and checking your breasts um, and then leaning forward. So you're checking all aspects, yeah. Um, yeah. and then feeling, you know, when you're in the shower or when you're lying down. Um, that's for women. And then for men, r- with respect to testicular cancer, which which can happen between the ages of 15 to 35, 34 in, in young lads. Again, when we're in when we're in schools um, and we're teaching young lads in transition, you're at that age it can be a bit of a shock to them to, to realize, Oh, I didn't know that I could get testicular cancer at this age. Yeah. So we call it check your balls, you know, so, um, check your breasts, check your balls. (laughs) Um, And, (laughs) and, um, and again, you know, that can be when, when once a month as well in the shower, when the testicles drop down, you know, when they're warm and the body is warm. And, we're not afraid to say it, you know, and the lads, you know, they, there's a skit and a laugh, but it, it's taken on board, I feel, you know. And I do think that even for a long time with breast cancer, like my
0: family never spoke about it. We never spoke about saying, check your breast and saying with my brother, it was never check your balls and like that. But there definitely is more of a conversation now,
1: which is wonderful. Yeah. And the other thing Caitlin, that you have actually just touched on there, which is fantastic, is your family. Mm-hmm. um family are really important and your family history is extremely important so every one of us um, should know our family history okay so we should know who in our family from a cancer perspective I would say initially so know who in your family has had cancer um, and what age um because again knowing your family history is extremely powerful. We talk about I don't know if you've heard of the BRCA genes and the Angela Jolina. I have. Yeah. So again, you know, if you if you have a strong family history of breast cancer and some of your family members are young, they may well have been tested for the BRCA gene, which gives a family an indication as to whether there's a risk of breast and ovarian and/or ovarian cancer, and it gives you that knowledge. Um, and then it provides you with, I suppose, the ammunition to have conversations and make decisions about maybe risk-reducing surgery. They're huge decisions, though, and they can't be taken lightly. So again, there's a lot of support needed. And um, you know, if somebody in a fam- if there's a family history and cancer is being diagnosed, particularly around BRCA, uh, we also have a BRCA support online. Um, and we ha- we hold that once a month in the evenings. Our next one is on the 29th of October, um, and it's a group of women as well who you know have tested positive to BRCA one or two, um, and some have been through the whole risk-reducing surgery, some haven't, some are still trying to make decisions, and it's a real support hub um, for those kind of discussions that are actually quite difficult.
0: Because I know even myself growing up. I don't know, I was kind of always under the impression that it, cancer isn't genetic, it isn't passed down. And it's only when I got a bit older and a few doctors said to me, well, if it's in your family, you know, you might be careful. I suppose maybe yeah. some people don't know that really.
1: No, and, and it's becoming, it definitely has become more apparent over, you know, certainly over the last five years, we we're actually saying to people, do you know your family history? Um, And, and, you know, somebody might say, oh, yeah, well, I had an aunt um, who had breast cancer and then her sister had breast cancer. So you're already beginning to form some sort of a picture that needs analysis. And it needs. there is a lot of there you know, there probably isn't enough services available in Ireland at the moment. But there's the you know, the cancer strategy is certainly working on that aspect of of cancer and cancer control as well in the hereditary, you know, cancer space. Mm-hmm. So there are some family risk assessment clinics in Dublin, of course, um, um, and they have been distributed around the country, but, n- but they're not working at the same capacity as they are in Dublin. So you've got Common, you've got St. James's, and you've got um, Blackwell Clinic. Um, so there are some very well-known clinics. But again, first and foremost, I think if you are aware of a family history, um that you go and talk to your gp in the first place yeah um, and that G, you know your gp can then actually refer you on to a family risk assessment clinic where a whole family tree can be drawn um, and you know then um, you know you, you're actually setting yourself up for for a knowledge um, and maybe with that knowledge comes difficult decisions or or maybe not you know and the knowledge is really your power isn't it it's your tools absolutely yeah yeah, yeah
0: absolutely and how would you suggest we support your wonderful breast cancer awareness campaign this month
1: well i suppose like certainly listen anyone who who hasn't maybe listened to the videos yet i would recommend you listen to them they are quite emotional and um but they are so honest and so real um and then Please donate. You know, um, we're always like we're always very grateful for any funds that, that can be provided. We're also doing a pig's back uh, run walk, five, you know the five k, ten k virtual for the month of October. Yeah. So you could also sign up for that and um, uh, and do that virtually anywhere in Ireland. And um, yeah, and um, we we'd be very grateful for any help that anybody would want to give us um, through the month of October or any time of year really and we really want to get our comfort funds going again. So um, I suppose that for us is a really important part of the work we do, providing support, you know, pro- pro- providing financial support, which you actually find relieves and reduces the stress and anxiety. Medicine, treatment, it's all expensive at the end of the day. Yeah,
0: it's hugely expensive, yeah. Thank you so much for talking to me today. Thanks, Katie.